Chapter Two of Versailles Christmas Tide by Mary Stuart Boyd. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two Ogham's. Our hotel was distinctly French and immensely comfortable in that it had gleaned and still retained the creature comforts of a century or two thus it combined the luxuries of hot air radiators and electric light with the enchantment of open wood fires viewed externally the building presented that airy aspect almost universal in versailles architecture it was white tinted with many windows shuttered without and heavily lace draped within a wide entrance led to the inner courtyard where orange trees in green tubs and trellis work with shrivelled stems and leaves still adhering suggested that it would be a pleasant summer lounge our hotel boasted a grand salon which opened from the courtyard it was an elaborately ornate room but on a chilly december day even a plethora of embellishment cannot be trusted to raise by a single degree the temperature of the apartment it adorns and the soul turns from a cold hearth however radiant its garnish of artificial blossoms a private parlour was scarcely necessary for with most french bedrooms ours shared the composite nature of the accommodation known in a certain class of advertisement as bed-sitting-room so it was that during these winter days we made ourselves at home in our chamber the shape of the room was a geometrical problem the three windows each revealed different views and the remainder of the walls curved amazingly at first sight the furniture consisted mainly of draperies and looking-glass for the room though of ordinary dimensions owned three large mirrors and nine pairs of curtains a stately bed endowed with a huge square down pillow which served as quilt stood in a corner two armchairs in brocaded velvet and a centre-table were additions to the customary articles a handsome timepiece and a quartet of begilt candelabra decked the white marble mantelpiece and were duplicated in the large pier glass the floor was of well-polished wood a strip of bright-hued carpet before the bed a second before the washstand its only coverings need i say that the provision for ablutions was one basin and a lilliputian ewer and that there was not a fixed bath in the establishment it was a resting-place full of incongruities but apart from or perhaps because of its oddities it had a cosy attractiveness from the moment of our entrance we felt at home i think the logs that purred and crackled on the hearth had much to do with its air of welcome there was a sense of companionship about a wood-fire that more enduring coal lacks like a delicate child the very care it demands nurtures your affection there was something delightfully foreign and picturesque to our town ideas in the heap of logs that karl carried up in a great pannier and piled at the side of the hearth even the little faggots of kindling wood willow knotted and with the dry copper-tinted leaves still clinging to the twigs had a rustic charm 
these were pleasant moments when ascending from the chill outer air we found our chamber aglow with ruddy firelight that glinted in the mirrors and sparkled on the shining surface of the polished floor when we drew our chairs up to the hearth and scorning the electric light revelled in the beauty of the leaping and darting flames it was only in the salle à manger that we saw the other occupants of the hotel and when we learned that several of them had lived en pension under the roof of the assiduous proprietor for periods varying from five to seven years we felt uh, ephemeral mere creatures of a moment and wholly unworthy of regard at eight o'clock karl brought the petit dejeuner of coffee and rolls to our room at eleven our morning visit to the school hospital over we breakfast in the salle à manger a large bright room one or other of whose many south windows had almost daily even in the depth of winter to be shaded against the rays of the sun three chandeliers of glittering crystal starred with electric lights depended from the ceiling half a dozen small tables stood down each side four larger ones occupied the centre of the floor and were reserved for transient custom the first thing that struck us as peculiar was that every table save ours was laid for a single person with a half bottle of wine red or white placed ready in accordance with the known preference of the expected guest we soon gathered that several of the regular customers lodged outside and according to the french custom visited the hotel for meals only after the early days of keen anxiety regarding our invalid had passed we began to study our fellow-guests individually and to note their idiosyncrasies sitting at our allotted table during the progress of the leisurely meals we used to watch as one habitué after another entered and hanging coat and hat upon certain pegs sat silently down in his accustomed place with an unvarying air of calm deliberation then iorson the swift-footed garçon would skim over the polished boards to the newcomer and tendering the menu would wait pencil in hand until the guest after careful contemplation selected his five plats from its comprehensive list the most picturesque man of the company had white moustaches of surprising length on cold days he appeared enveloped in a fur coat a garment of shaggy brown which in conjunction with his hirsute countenance made his aspect suggest the hero and pantomime renderings of beauty and the beast but in our hotel there was no beauty unless indeed it were yvette and yvette could hardly be termed beautiful yvette also lived outside she did not come to dejeuner but every night precisely at a quarter past seven the farther door would open and yvette her face expressing disgust with the world and all the things thereof would enter yvette was blonde with neat little features a pale complexion and tiny hands that were always ringless she rang the changes on half a dozen handsome cloaks of different degrees of warmth to an intelligent observer their wear might have served as a thermometer yvette was blasée and her millinery was in sympathy with her feelings 
her hats had all a fringe of disconsolate feathers whose melancholy plumage emphasized the downward curve of her mouth to see yvette enter from the darkness and seating herself at her solitary table droop over her plate as though there was nothing in versailles worth sitting upright for was to view ennui personified yvette invariably drank white wine and the food rarely pleased her she would cast a contemptuous look over the menu offered by the deferential henri then turn wearily away esteeming that no item in its length merited even her most perfunctory consideration but after one or two despondent glances yvette ever made the best of a bad bargain and ordered quite a comprehensive little dinner which she ate with the same air of utter disdain she always concluded by eating an orange dipped in sugar even had a special table not been reserved for her one could have told where yvette had dined by the bowl of powdered sugar just as one could have located the man with the fierce moustaches and the fur coat by the presence of his pepper-mill or the place of madame from her prodigal habit of rending a quarter-yard of the crusty french bread in twain and consuming only the soft inside from the ignorance of our cursory acquaintance we had judged the french a sociable nation our stay at versailles speedily convinced us of the fallacy of that belief nothing could have impressed us so forcibly as did the frigid silence that characterized the company many of them had fed there daily for years yet within the walls of the sunny dining-room none exchanged even a salutation this unexpected taciturnity in a people whom we had been taught to regard as lively and voluble made us almost ashamed of our own garrulity and when in the presence of the silent company we were tempted to exchange remarks we found ourselves doing it in hushed voices as though we were in church a clearer knowledge however showed us that though some unspoken convention rendered the hotel guests oblivious of each other's presence while indoors beyond the hotel walls they might hold communion two retired military men both wearing the red ribbon of the legion of honour as indeed did most of our habitues sat at adjacent tables one tall and thin was a colonel the other little and neat a colonel also to the casual gaze they appeared complete strangers and we had consumed many meals in their society before observing that whenever the tall colonel had sucked the last cerise from his glass of eau de vie and begun to fold his napkin a formidable task for the serviettes fully deserved the designation later bestowed on them by the boy of young tablecloths the little colonel made haste to fold his also both rose from their chairs at the same instant and the twain having received their hats from the attentive eorson vanished still mute into the darkness together once to our consternation the little colonel replaced his napkin in its ring without waiting for the signal from the tall colonel but our apprehension that they in their dealings in that mysterious outer world which twice daily they sought together might have fallen into a difference of opinion was dispelled by the little colonel 
who had risen stepping to his friend and holding out his hand this the tall colonel without withdrawing his eyes from le journal des debats which he was reading silently pressed then still without a word spoken or a look exchanged the little colonel passed out alone the average age of the ogums was seventy true there was dunois the young and brave who could not have been more than forty-five what his name really was we knew not but something in his comparatively juvenile appearance among the chevaliers suggested the appellation which for lack of a better we retained dunois's youth might only be comparative but his bravery was indubitable for who among the agams but he was daring enough to tackle the pate de foigois or the abati a stew composed of the gizzards and livers of fowls and who but dunois would have been so reckless as to follow baked mussels and crepinettes with rognon free dunois too revealed intrepid leanings toward strange liquors sometimes it was usually at dejeuner when he had dined out on the previous evening he would demand the wine list of iorson and rejecting the vin blanc or vin rouge which being compris contented the others would order himself something of a choice brand one of his favourite papers was la rire and henri iorson's youthful assistant regarded him with admiration a less attractive presence in the dining-room was madame madame who was an elderly dame of elephantine girth had resided in the hotel for half a dozen years during which period her sole exercise had been taken in slowly descending from her chamber in the upper regions for her meals and then leisurely assimilation completed in yet more slowly ascending madame's allotted seat was placed in close proximity to the hot air register and though madame was usually one of the first to enter the dining-room she was generally the last to leave madame's appetite was as animated as her body was lethargic she always drank her half-bottle of red wine to the dregs and she invariably concluded with a greengage in brandy so it was small marvel that when at last she left her chair to tortoise upstairs her complexion should be two shades darker than when she descended five dishes irrespective of hors d'oeuvres at luncheon and potage at dinner were allowed each guest and madame's selection was an affair of time our hotel was justly noted for its cuisine yet on infrequent occasions the food supplied to madame was not to her mind at these times the whole establishment suffered until the irascible old lady's taste was suited one night at dinner iorson had the misfortune to serve madame with some turkey that failed to meet with her approval with the air of an insulted empress madame ordered its removal the conciliatory iorson obediently carried off the dish and speedily returned bearing what professed to be another portion but from the glimpse we got as it passed our table we had a shrewd suspicion that iorson the wily had merely turned over the piece of turkey and reserved it with a little more gravy and an additional dressing of cresson 
madame it transpired shared our suspicions for this portion also she declined with renewed indignation then followed a long period of waiting wherein madame fidgeting restlessly on her seat kept fierce eyes fixed on the door through which the viands entered just as her impatience threatened to vent itself in action eorson appeared bearing a third helping of turkey placing it before the irate lady he fled as though determined to debar a third repudiation for a moment an air of triumph pervaded madame's features then she began to gesticulate violently with the evident intention of again attracting eorson's notice but the forbearance even of the diplomatic eorson was at an end redoubling his attentions to the diners at the farther side of the room he remained resolutely unconscious of madame's signals which were rapidly becoming frantic the less sophisticated henri however feeling a boyish interest in the little comedy could not resist a curious glance in madame's direction that was sufficient waving imperiously madame compelled his approach and moving reluctantly fearful of the issue henri advanced couteau hissed madame henri flew to fetch the desired implement and realizing that madame had at last been satisfied we again breathed freely a more attractive personage was a typical old aristocrat officer of the legion of honour who used to enter walk with great dignity to his table eat sparingly of one or two dishes drink a glass of his own van ordinaire and retire sometimes he was accompanied by a tiny spaniel which occupied a chair beside him and frequently a middle-aged son whose bourgeois appearance was in amazing contrast to that of his refined old father attended him there were others less interesting perhaps but equally self-absorbed one afternoon entering the cable-car that runs for fun apparently as it rarely boasted a passenger to and from the trianon we recognized in its sole occupant an ogham who during the weeks of our stay had eaten in evident oblivion of his human surroundings at the table next to ours forgetting that we were without the walls of silence we expected no greeting but to our amazement he rose and placing himself opposite us conversed affably and in most excellent english for the rest of the journey to speak with him was to discover a courteous and travelled gentleman yet during our stay in versailles we never knew him exchange even a bow with any of his fellow ogams who were men of like qualifications though as he told us he had taken his meals in the hotel for over five years early in the year our peace was rudely broken by the advent of a commercial man a short grey-haired being of an activity so foreign to our usage that a feeling of unrest was imparted to the salle a manger throughout his stay his movements were distractingly erratic in his opinion meals were things to be treated casually to be consumed haphazard at any hour that chanced to suit 
he did not enter the dining-room at the exact moment each day as did the ogham's he would rush in throw his hat on a peg devour some food with unseemly haste and depart in less time than it took the others to reach the legume he was hospitable too and had a disconcerting way of inviting guests to luncheon or dinner and then forgetting that he had done so one morning a stranger entered and after a brief conference with the orson was conducted to the commercial man's table to await his arrival the regular customers took their wonted places and began in their leisurely fashion to breakfast and still the visitor sat alone starting up expectantly every time a door opened then despondently resuming his seat at last eorson taking compassion urged the neglected guest to while away his period of waiting by trifling with the hors d'oeuvres he was proceeding to allay the pangs of hunger with selections from the tray of anchovies sardines pickled beet and sliced sausage when his host appeared voluble and irrepressible as ever the dignified ogham's shuddered inwardly as his strident voice awoke the echoes of the room and their already stiff limbs became rigid with disapproval in winter transient visitors but rarely occupied one or other of the square centre tables though not infrequently a proud father and mother who had come to visit a soldier's son at the barracks brought him to the hotel for a meal and for a space the radiance of blue and scarlet and the glint of steel cast a military glamour over the staid company an amusing little circumstance to us onlookers was that although the supply of cooked food seemed equal to any demand the arrival of even a trio of unexpected guests to dinner invariably caused a dearth of bread for on their advent eorson would dash out bareheaded into the night to reappear in an incredibly short time carrying a loaf nearly as tall as himself one morning a stalwart young briton brought to breakfast a pretty english cousin on leave of absence from her boarding-school his knowledge of french was limited when anything was wanted he shouted garçon in a lordly voice but it was the pretty cousin who gave the order dejeuner over they departed in the direction of the chateau and at sunset as we chanced to stroll along the boulevard de la Lina, we saw the pretty cousin all the gaiety fled from her face bidding her escort farewell at the gate of a pension pour demoiselles the ball was over poor little cinderella was perforce returning to the dust and ashes of learning End of chapter 2